Hello and welcome to Anime to Z, the podcast dedicated to all things anime. I'm Shay Lingo, rapper and musician, and anime to me is what yeast is to bread, an essential ingredient. And I'm Beck Hill, a comedian, writer and artist, and anime is to me what yeast is to bread as well. Just, um, okay, it's something that grows inside me and <laughs> <laughs> takes over, sometimes uh, gets a bit itchy. Yeast takes over your body. <laughs> That's what yeast does to you. Might not want to say that, I hear Shay. that. <laughs> I hear that. Moving on. I like what you did with your intro, Shay. Thank uh, you. But it, it makes me think about food. Mm-hmm. To be fair, everything makes me think about food. Do you, do you eat anything when you're watching anime? I eat everything when I'm watching anime. <laughs> <laughs> I Ayo. eat everything. And my fridge, like, it will, I'll be one episode into, into Vinland Saga and then I'll finish the episode and, there'll be, and then I'll be hungry. Yeah. And there'll be nothing to eat because I've eaten everything during the episode. Ugh. I tell you what, I'm doing a thing at the moment where you like do a deprivation. So like whatever your vice is, mm. you don't do it for mm. a week. You don't indulge in that thing. Yeah. Just, you know, to try and like reconnect with the other things that you should be doing. Come on. And I, so my thing is TV. But okay. of course, like. I'm like, I was like, well, I have to watch Finland yeah, Saga. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's my kind one thing. Kind of intrinsic part of my life right now. <laughs> but, which I was like so thankful for as yeah. well. And so it's like the only TV I've, I've watched. And it's so weird because I have to watch TV when I'm eating. Yeah. Like it's so, it's become such a routine for me. Like when I'm having dinner, I'm like, habitual. what, what am I going to do? Talk to my husband? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's everything. That's how it works. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had my dinner last night while I was watching it. It was nice. Had some eggplant, uh, tomato. Uh, I, l- I love an Italian meal. Are you veggie? No, no. It just happened to be a vegetarian meal. I like vegetables more than meat, to be fair. Are there any like food-related animes? Yes, there are. There's one called Food Wars. It's literally just, I think I can make better food than you. Right. you know what I mean? And you can't make better food than me. And there's a school and we, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, that's basically the premise of every exciting moment. Well, most of the exciting, apart from main character backstory, like protagonist backstory. He's like the the kid from the boonies who's better than all of the, all of the guys that have been trained by like four star Michelin chefs. The kid from the what? Boonies. Have you never heard that word? No. From like out of the city. Like the countryside kids. Boonies. Yeah, have you never heard that? No, I love it. Yeah, the boonies. That's the a boonies. big. They use the boonies quite a lot in anime. To be fair, like because there's always uh, there's always an anime where like there's somebody who's who's not from the same place as everyone else. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes when it's set Fish in like, out of water. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes when it's set in like a rural area, and then that kid has no concept of like the system. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then they'll and then somebody some somehow they'll end up in the city. And they'll be vastly stronger than everyone who's in the city. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Just by tilling the fields. Do you know what I'm saying? And they'll just have super toned muscles and they'll have, they've been, they've just spent more of their time doing just that thing. You get me? Like learning their magic or, do you know what I mean? They'll just be so incredibly, and they'll have no one to test their strength against because they're just out there doing it by themselves. So when they get into the city, everyone else is, like, you spent 17 hours on your phone that week or whatever. Yeah, he yeah. spent 17 hours doing push-ups. You know what I'm saying? Ugh. Like, so, yeah. Does it only work in that way, from the country to the city? Does it work the other way? Like, if you go from the city to the country, uh, can they say you're from the boonies? Or I is it... Like, no, no. I don't think it works. I think the boonies is specifically, like, the rural areas outside of the, outside of the, the city civilization. Right. Because I feel like anime, the storyline is always someone from the country comes to the city... Mm. 
or someone from the city moves to the country. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. <laughs> they always have to change the environment. And as I think about it, I don't actually think the main character is from the boonies, but it gives me like I never grew up how you lot grew up kind of energy. Do you know what I mean? And it's, and if there if it isn't a specific from the boonies to the city type situation, you said boonies so many times. If it isn't from the rural <laughs> area to the now. city <laughs> type <laughs> <laughs> cheers <laughs> to the city type situation, then it's definitely like a change of environment and you and your strength is always like ten times what the what everyone else's strength is. But they're also very talented and strong. They're just never going to be as strong as you because you've just spent more hours doing that one Aww, thing. I want to be from the boonies. I think we're all from the boonies in our own special way, you know. Okay, but enough chit-chat yes. because I want to talk about this episode of Vinland Saga. All right, let's do it. This one was called A True Warrior. Are you, are you a true warrior, Shay? Yeah, I like to believe so. What about you? Uh, I think I'm a warrior, but spelt like with W-O-R-R-I-E. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> like I worry about a lot a of stuff. A warrior. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I'm the one that's like up, you know, up at night. Like, oh, maybe I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> that person just sleeping soundly. Bliss. Why didn't I know what from the boomies meant? <laughs> You're going to think, oh, she hates me now. He doesn't. He doesn't. He actually does not. He loves you. Oh, good. Come on. Oh, it's well. Been, it's a pleasure. It is a pleasure. Yep. So we should unpack the fourth episode together. Yep. And if anyone listening hasn't watched it yet, you can go and stream it right now on Prime Video UK. Yo, so when I say there's moves made, blades back, there's a 100% going to be spoilers in this episode. And if you want to keep that element of surprise intact, hit pause right now and join us when you've watched the episode. Beck, your own recap duty this week. Take it away, please. All right. So we pick up where we left last week with Ashalad's ships ambushing Thors and his crew. But Thors is like, not today, buttheads. <laughs> and then he's all like, wham, boom, bam. And with his fists. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, blah, blah, <laughs> right in the fizzog. <laughs> and then like the mushroom oh, guy. Is, I can't. This is too funny. <laughs> the mushroom guy, he's like, rah. And then Thors is like, not even scared. And then, <laughs> and then the mushroom guy is like, and into the river or the, yeah, the sea. And then Thors is like, Let's duel to Ashalad and Ashalad's like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do it. And then they fight and it's really awesome. They're like, swing, swing, swing. Yeah, yeah. But then obviously Taurus wins and everyone's like, yay. But then Ashalad's an asshole and he doesn't play by the rules. So then Thor's gets arrowed yep. like everywhere. Yep. And then he, but he dies gracefully because he he's awesome. Yep. And then at the end we see Torfin. Torfin, I've been working on my You've been working on it. You're nearly there, you know. He's uh, stowed away from Ashlad's lads mm. <laughs> and is all like, I'm going to kill you. And then that's the end. Do you know what? That was probably the best recap ever. <laughs> I think that I think I, I will never be able to do a better recap than that. <laughs> ever. Ever. On anything I ever do. <laughs> I'm going to feature on your next album. Uh, what did you think of the episode? Oh, I loved it. I lo- it was, it was so, over so quickly. Yeah, it felt very quick, but it was very intense. I think that's where it was. It drew you in. It's the same duration as all the other episodes, minutes-wise, but it drew you in so much. Like, I was in from the beginning because of how I felt about the way they set it up from the previous episode where they just, like, oh, yeah. met on the boat. You know what I'm saying? It's like, rah, showdown time. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, and then to see Tors just, like, slap down, basically slap down some hardened killers, just, like, their kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even when Bjorn eats the mushroom 
just the fight just doesn't very last very long. Do you know what I mean? It's just all a bit mad. I just love the the white eyes and everything. I loved yeah, it. It was dope. It was I dope. loved it. But we're gonna need some context before we go into the episode any further. But before we get carried away, we've got a guest lined up to tell us more about Bjorn and that mushroom habit. So today for the context segment of the podcast, we're very excited to be joined by the world's leading scholar on Viking berserkers, Roderick Dale. Hello. Hi, Roderick. So first off, uh, tell us a bit about yourself, your background. Yes, uh, I've been an archaeologist for a lot of years, but my background and interests have always been Vikings, Norse mythology and everything related to sort of Scandinavian uh, stuff. So when I finally decided to go back and do a PhD, I had to do Viking Berserks. I love how you said when I finally went back and did a PhD, like as if like, yeah, yeah, everyone's expected to do one. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to go back and do one in just Vikings and Berserks and yeah. mushrooms and things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need something to do with your spare time. Don't you? <laughs> Facts. Facts. <laughs> what drew you to Vikings and Norse mythology and everything? It's the stories my grandmother used to tell because one of her fairly distant great-great-grandparents was Norwegian, so she was attached that way. And also the family has connections to the Hebrides, which were actually very much Viking-controlled in the Viking Age. I think I was influenced from when I was about yay high, you know, about a foot tall. So you worked as a Viking advisor on the English language translation of which the show is based, Vinland Saga. So what was that like? What kind of advice were you given? The main thing I worked on was actually providing the runes that decorate the cover of the English language edition. No way. So basically... So you had all what... the coolest jobs, basically? Oh, I get all the coolest jobs, yeah. When you work on berserkers, I mean, what else are you going to be doing with your life? Facts. But yeah... I worked on the runes for the cover. Um, they wanted authentic Viking Age runes, and they were particularly pleased that I could actually make them say something in Old Norse, the Viking language, uh, which I'm not allowed to tell you what it actually says. You need to go away and do the work yourself. <laughs> Lovely. A bit of homework for the listeners. But it is in normalised Old Norse, which means that... With a little bit of work, it's possible for actually people to sit down with an Old Norse dictionary and work out what it says. Dope. Ooh, I've got to get me an Old Norse dictionary. I love that. I'm, I'm going to take that assignment. Had you ever done anything with manga before or was this a completely new world for you? I've not worked with manga before. Uh, this one was completely new, but I have worked on quite a few other similar types of projects, providing Old Norse dialogue for things like Ananda Braxton Smith's Mero, uh, the book she wrote, uh, where she wanted the authenticity of a Viking speaking Old Norse in it. Got involved with producing Old Norse dialogue for the background characters for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, wow. So, Legend, uh, basically. Uh, it's good fun, yeah. Keeps me entertained. And this was the first time you'd seen Vinland Saga, wasn't it? The actual anime version of the manga. This was the first time I'd seen the anime, yes. Yeah. I've been aware of it, but it's not streamable here. We'll just have to move to the UK and get Prime Video. Right. <laughs> How did you find it? It was interesting. I mean, I've read most of the English language version of the manga, so seeing the anime and seeing how that's done was really interesting. I mean, it struck me, the Vikingness of it struck me. 
there's material culture there which points to Viking. So Thors has a sword over his shoulder with a trilobed pommel on it. And when I see that, I go, aha, Viking. Can you, uh, what, what's a, tri, a trilobed pommel? So basically it's I get the... that when I've eaten too much. Oh my days. <laughs> and I go running. Oh, trilobed yeah. pommel there. <laughs> basically it's the um, hilt end of the sword and it's got like three bumps on it. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you look at it, you sort of go, oh, right. Well, when I look at it rather, I go, mm-hmm. oh, right. That's really Viking. And then there's another character's wearing a spectacle helm. He's got a helmet which is like looks like it's got spectacles over his eyes. And that's again, that's mo- clearly modeled on the Yarmanbu helm, which dates from about 900 from Norway. And that's about the time, isn't it? It's about 900 roughly or close to... Closer yeah. to like 1,002, I think. Yeah. But yeah, when I see that and I sort of see them basing it on the only sort of nearly whole Viking age, Viking helmet from Norway ever found, those are sort of things that signify it's Viking. But then he's got the later stuff as well. You see all the sort of the kite shields, the Norman stuff, and the helmets with the uh, nasal to protect the nose. And um, so it's a bit of a mix as well. It's not just one specific point in time. You're going to make me go back and watch this stuff again now and look for that. Now. Yeah, maybe the, you know, maybe it's handy, hand-me-downs from older brothers and sisters. <laughs> you know, like everyone's got that stuff when they were growing up that's that, like a whole generation or two before them. All the other Vikings have the brand name new stuff that's come out. <laughs> All the other Vikings teasing him. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't believe you got the spectacle helmet. Oh, oh, that's from 900, dude. you idiot. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but they did like heirlooms. They loved their heirloom swords. Old swords were like real status especially if they had a proper name and a history what do you mean by name when you say name what do you mean there was one sword in the sagas called leg biter for example so they get named they become they start to have a history of them of their own that's such a great like name for a sword leg biter yeah i'm gonna call my knife at home bread cutter it's not the same bread biter no it doesn't work the same yeah you could try it and see it could work (laughs) i want to go and get bread cutter and cut some bread yeah jelly hugger that's my spoon i mean that that's i i kind of that one i like that one's got some some vim in it i love that so your phd is in berserkers who are referenced in both this episode and the last one who are the berserkers and like what sets them apart from regular vikings we know about berserkers from the viking sagas which are the medieval literature they were written down about two to three hundred years after the viking age and they're fairly stock characters they're often the bad guys although some of them are good guys and there are actually a couple of berserkers who are linked to god so in one saga, you've got Jesus Christ has his own personal berserker. What they are, what the word actually means when you start actually looking at all this stuff is champion. And the Viking Age berserkers were the king's bodyguards and his champions, the guys that fought the duels on his behalf. So they're a bit like the knight King Arthur's knights. So like a knight, a champion and a berserker are all, all relatively the same thing, but just different points in history. Different points in history. And berserkers probably were linked to the god Odin. So they're likely to have had little rituals because in the sagas we'd hear that they bite their shields and they howl. And that really sounds something... Because the descriptions are so little, in, so sparse in the sagas... What we, we cannot know precisely what was going on, but it seems like these are rituals designed to help 
boost themselves before the battle and then go into the battle and get themselves out again. And in the Viking Age poem, Havamal, the sayings of the High One, Odin is supposed to have a spell which allows him by chanting under the shield to take men safely into battle and bring them back out again. So that's probably what's going on. So it's a social status linked to the gods. And what they were doing is very much like, sounds very much like a Maori haka, something mm. like the All Blacks would do before a rugby match. And uh, to really give the other guys the willies and uh, scare them off before you've even started the fight. What would your thing be? Uh, to be fair, I'd probably run away. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be on the sidelines taking notes. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be like, I'll hold your coat, mate. Off you go. <laughs> but you could even go as far as to say, like, prayer is a, is a type of ritual. And do you know what I mean? Like, religion in its, in its modern forms are all just forms of rituals like that have been handed down through history yeah i think it's probably i mean if you're looking in those areas you're looking in the right areas for what's going on with these guys i mean these guys are meant to be the biggest the beefiest the baddest you know kind of mad bad and dangerous to know and because old norse religion was very personal it was about personal relationships to the gods the people who are going to try and get Odin on side before a battle are going to be the ones who are most closely connected to him. So those who are best at making other people dead. That's a beautiful way to say it. That's yeah. such a sick way. I use the word beautiful a lot, but I, I think it's that very was. appropriate. That was epic. So obviously in this episode and at the end of the last one, we, we see that Ashalad's berserker takes a mushroom and goes nuts. Bjorn. Bjorn, that's the one. Is that is that a thing? Only in popular culture. <gasps> really? Yeah. I'm Does it sorry. come from Super Mario? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly not. There's no evidence for use of fly agaric mushrooms in the Viking Age at all. Can you articulate what fly agaric means? They're the ones with the um, red and white caps on them. Uh, and they're supposed to have hallucinogenic properties, but they get the name because they're used for killing flies. <laughs> uh, like a club uh, <laughs> poison them i think right right i've never really tried it so i don't know how well it works yeah do you know do you know where those mushrooms are from geographically they do grow in scandinavia okay uh, so you do get them i'm not sure about the total geographic spread but i know they're found in siberia as well which is where the idea that berserkers took mushrooms came from why did it come from Siberia. Basically, what happened is in the 18th century, a Swedish theologian called Samuel Erdman turned around and went, huh, berserkers are a bit mad and bad and they do all kinds of weird stuff. We need an explanation for that. Aha, Siberian shamans, they, they use these magic mushrooms to access the gods. Therefore, it must come from that. Okay. Right. So, like all the governments are just blamed it on drugs. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But what's really interesting is that he probably actually got that from a Swedish prisoner of war from the early 18th century who was held in Siberia. And he records a party where all the rich people had been saving up to buy these mushrooms and they made tea from the mushrooms and drank it and got off their faces. And then when they went out for a wee, the poor people were there with bowls to catch the wee and basically drank it because they thought they were going to get uh, off their faces on that. No way. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> but the problem is there's nothing in there about going berserk or anything else. This is just people having a party. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we now know that there's nothing, it, the mushrooms have nothing to do with actually going berserk as a berserker. 
and that berserkers is just another name for a champion or or a knight in a, in in the widest form of context. It was there another so was there like other anything else that a berserker would do in that time to like induce a rage or was was the rage even a thing or were they just super like do you know what i mean were they just super strong and everyone's like they're so strong that we're just gonna call this a rage do you know what i mean the whole idea of the rage and everything that's that's all later that's people from the 17th century onwards going these guys are doing weird stuff we don't understand it. we need an explanation so in the 17th century, they thought it was demonic possession because Odin was a black magician. And then they've looked all the way through since uh, since then for explanations. And they never once thought to ask, did they actually go berserk? And when we look at the literature, it's quite clear that what's happening is probably performative. So this is them make, making themselves seem madder and badder and everything else. The stuff they're doing would have made sense culturally to them at the time. Yeah, it's a scare tactic. Yeah, absolutely. And it, really, it would scare me. Yeah. So the word berserk, as in to go berserk, comes from berserker. It comes from the old Norse word berserk, yes. Right, right. It sounds like they weren't the level of berserk that we've attested it to these days. They pretty much weren't out of control. When you look at the narratives that we have... You can. It looks performative. They pretty much weren't out of control at all. Right. So if you tell, if you said to someone, "Oh, go berserk," you'd be like, oh, "Okay, yeah, I'll just do my job well." That's what it sounds like, though. It sounds like the whole rage thing was more propaganda than it was actual fact. But what I what I was gonna say is, do you think it affected the way that other warriors would look at berserkers and how the name would travel? Because obviously there was no internet or anything back then for information to travel. There was no phones or nothing. It was literally just word of mouth. So. Do you think those stories, those kind of hawk stories about how berserkers would decimate armies and whatever the case may be, played a big part in how the, how that rage was attached to it, even though it wasn't real? Yeah, I think, it, I think it probably did. I mean, these stories were spread all over Scandinavia and into Iceland. I mean, most of them were actually written down in Iceland. The Icelanders love writing this stuff down later. They don't have much else to do. Presumably not, no. <laughs> Dodging the odd volcanic eruption. and yeah. uh, volcano's gone, there's no sun. Right, write some stories. They wrote these stories down, and this was the entertainment up until very recently where people would be in the house, they'd be doing their jobs, you know, weaving, whatever it was, in the house, and somebody would be telling a story to keep them entertained because that's what you do when you got no TV. The stories would be spread about, people's reputations would be built up massively. I mean, the kings at the time, they had their own scolds, their own poets, whose job was basically propaganda, creating poems that were memorable and could be recited. Oh, wow. And finally, what do you think about the anime's historical accuracy as like a whole? Did this episode feel like it was true and authentic, like a true and authentic portrayal of like the Viking age. I think it managed to depict Vikingness, if I can put it that way, without actually being drawn in exact, precise detail of every single thing. Mm -hmm. The ships have got dragon's heads on them. So that sort of says Viking. The sword I mentioned earlier with its sort of trilobed pommel, that says Viking, the helmets... It gave a good impression of being Viking without having gone massively into the tiny details. So, yeah, it worked for me. And other than, other than the pommel, 
do you think there's anything else that you think the show did really well? One of the things I absolutely loved about it was the hair and the face fur. There's a load of different styles of beard. There's moustaches, there's clean-shaven guys, there's short hair, there's long hair. They didn't look like um, rejects from Sons of Anarchy or something like that (laughs) with massive bushy beards and massive long hair. That was something that was really good to see because we know the Vikings love to take care of their hair. They love to look after their appearance. I mean, their word for Saturday literally means bath day. Yeah, we learned that in the last episode. Yeah, we did. We did. We heard they were super, super into their hygiene. What I really liked was that there was a mix going on there as well. It didn't say they were all exactly the same. It said, we've got a bunch of individuals here and they're all doing their own thing within a particular cultural context. And that worked for me really well. Well, especially in animation, it's so much easier to just do versions of the same sort of type of character, use the same base and then you just slightly change one thing. Yeah, it can get very tropey. They've gone to a lot of effort Mm. to show that they were different. Yeah, they all had different styles and I'm even more impressed now. Yeah, so yeah. am I, like, to, for that to be picked out. And as you say it, again, there's a there's a bunch of stuff that you've said now that obviously I had no context on was, like, historically accurate. So now I feel like I want to go back and watch those and watch those episodes again. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really want to actually watch this series now, having seen that one episode. And even though this episode focused only on violence as well, which is kind of what we think of the Vikings as... And knowing what the wider story arc is from the manga, I really want to see how they develop that too. It's crazy because the 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 whole kind of overarching story is not about violence. It's got definitely got violent presence, and it was definitely kind of triggered the story itself and the real kind of essence of the show is triggered by violence. Definitely, at the same time, I like the story is mainly about Thorfinn's emotional journey. Do you know what I mean? So, which is which is a great way to, de- I, well, I, from what from what I'm learning from you now, seems to be a really, a much better way of depicting a Viking's journey. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, in some ways, Vinland Saga anime and manga has much more in common with the Icelandic sagas of the medieval period than a lot of the sort of Viking films, because the violence happens and sometimes it triggers the events, but the Icelandic sagas are full of sort of love stories, legal drama, all the rest of that. There's a lot of real life going on. And I think a something like this anime where the violence happens, but it's not the central theme is brilliant. Roderick, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure and I'm very, I feel very educated. Like I said, I'm going to say it again, I'm due to go back and watch the episodes yeah. over again and try and pick out the stuff that you've spoken about. And it's going to make me appreciate the anime much more now. So appreciate you for that. Thank you. My pleasure. So as you know from my incredible summary at the beginning, yeah. this episode just jumps straight into it. Yeah. And we've got Bjorn, you know, he's he's had his mushroom that apparently wasn't a thing. So Bjorn's just a dude who eats mushrooms. He just eats mushrooms, That's basically. a personal thing. That's not a cultural thing. So he's not actually like raging. He's just off his face. He's off his face. And That's they've, they've enabled that. He starts like getting his own men out the way, doesn't he? Like yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. going towards Taurus, he's like, like chucking them out off the boat. I'm doing, the listeners can't see this. Sorry guys. <laughs> I'm just miming, throwing people off of a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, but you know what? It's, it's interesting because like I used to play a lot of Final Fantasy when I was a kid mm. and 
in that you can there's there's a condition that you can be induced into via like maybe an enemy attack or sometimes your own your own ability and it's usually like the tank in the team that has the ability to go berserk you know what i mean the tank being like the biggest physically strongest and highest defense character that person usually has the opportunity or the ability to go berserk but when you go berserk you also get confused and you do that same thing where you could attack your own people it could be friendly fire as well so like even outside of just the history and and the anime like i've seen the concept of going berserk as well you get me like just yeah. it, it exists in that in that capacity in the same way elsewhere no that's true that's true although i like i do like the idea of that the beyond is just he's like i need it i need something to push me over the edge yeah. if there was such a mushroom that turned you essentially into the hulk okay what would you need it for what is it that scares you so much that you would need to berserk out roller coasters oh really I'm definitely afraid of heights and large spiders so I think for those two things, I'd have to have for the spiders one. Obviously, that one's always super like impromptu. You're never gonna, you never know when you're gonna notice a spider. So I think mm. I would probably just have to have like a little holster of mini mushrooms. If I saw a big spider and I was, I was freaked out, but I know I was the only one. Do you know what it is? It's not. Let me just go on a tangent here. It's not that I'm afraid of spiders specifically. I'm yeah. afraid of anything. I'm like, I'm really freaked out by anything with more than four legs. That's a natural instinct, though. We're supposed to be scared of things with more than four legs. It's not that I'm scared of that specific thing. I'm scared of it touching me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. So, and if if I see a big, uh, like a spider or some kind of insect in a room, if it disappears in the same room that I'm in. I'm freaked out. So I would need to once I, once this disappeared, which has happened to me. So once this disappeared, that's when I'll pull out the mushroom and be like, all right, cool. I'm happy to lift stuff up and yeah. rah, rah. you get me? I'm happy to do <laughs> that and find it. it and pick it up with my hand and put it outside. Yeah, do yeah. you know what I mean? And then the only other time would be if I had to jump off of something higher, like if I did go on holiday and I, and we did a cliff jump or something like that, I would yeah. be terrified of that. So I'd probably have a mushroom then as well. So if you were like abseiling down a cliff where there were like spiders living yep. in the cracks and yep. stuff. Yep, yep, exactly that. that. Exactly. Which is a very, it's a big possibility. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think spiders have the same. I, it's not that I'm not afraid of them. It's just that I've, I'm pretty calm around them mm. generally. Mm. My thing is I'm always worried that I'm going to hurt them. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to smush them. I'll be honest, you know? mine's actually the opposite. It's the same reason I'm scared of holding babies. Like in the same way that I'm just like worried that I'll drop a baby. No. If you hand it to me. I'm not, not on purpose. I just mean not. like I'm clumsy. Yeah, I and I feel that. That basically anything where I'm like, I'm too powerful for this. I hear that. So like the mushroom would have the opposite, like the opposite. So That's what I'm scared of. Oh, so you'd want the mushroom to... It would have to make Calm me really like, yeah, to, or like at least really skilled so that I knew like my spatial awareness was so good that I was never going to like drop anything or. So you'd need the anything. mushroom to be like a limitless pill type situation. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like, I don't know. I think the things that scare me are all like, oh, I'm scared of having a heart attack before I'm 50 or something. You know, like they're all weird. I, can't, I feel like a, anything that I'm afraid of would only be made worse by a berserker mushroom. Everyday existential crisis. Yeah. I mean, I believe this is the sickest episode so far, to be fair. Oh. Like, the fight scenes. It's that so we get good. To, yeah, it's just epic, man. Like, and it's it's done, it's like, the fights are so accurate. Like, obviously, mm. I wasn't there. But, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like I'm, I feel like I, I feel like I am there. Well, it, do you know what? It was like watching chess. Okay. Or like, or at least yes. you know, playing chess. Yes, I resonate with what that. What I loved about it is that, and I, I love, like I, I grew up watching 
you know, classic Cantonese Jackie Chan films. Like I, I love, you know, some good fight choreography. But what I really liked about the duel between Ashlad and Thoras was that they – you, you saw, you heard them thinking what their next move was going to be yes. and questioning what the other person was doing. Oh. And you know that in the moment that would have gone so fast, like yeah. the whole thing would have been so quick. Yeah. But you, you know what it's like when that adrenaline kicks in and you hear your inner monologue and everyone just, and everything everything just goes, slows down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good sound too. But you're thinking, whilst the hiss is there, you're thinking about what's about to happen. And then everything kind of kicks back in. Yes. And it's like, and then it, and then you're like back in in like the real time situation again. Like when Ashalad realizes that Tors is serious about attacking him. Well, we, what we think is Tors is being serious about attacking him. Mm. And when really he's just addressing. A, like I think Tors is so strong when he was actually walking towards Ashalad. He was just addressing the issue. He wasn't actually like serious. Do you know what mm. I mean? So when when Ash and Ashalad is so calculated and intelligent in battle and just in life so when he cuts that rope and the and the sail falls down and mm. separates them and blocks towards his eye line and then he and then he kind of comes under from it. under and slashes him in his chest and then that thing happens where they have the inner monologue and it was too shallow to actually do any damage you get me so towards is still standing and towards is he doesn't say anything at that point but he kind of just notices like you're not someone to be played with. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're actually not these guys that I just that I just slapped down. You're not. You're not a child. You actually know how to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like for your stature, not just running in on a physical. You're actually using your brain power. You're limitless. You get me? Like yeah. to to figure out the best way to defeat me. And I can't take that lightly. So that's why I, that's why I said what I said before because he then says, "Sorry, but I got to fight you seriously. I'm gonna have to do that." He forced. He has to force himself to do that because he understands. Like, I can't. If I take you lightly, I'll I'll die in this duel. And I, and he believes. Tors believes that that duel is gonna solve the problem, which it doesn't. So, do you think Ashlad was actually joking when he asked Tors to lead his army, or do you reckon like it was a moment of? Do you know? I, do you know? I think it was. If Tors had said, "All right, cool. If that stops all of this, then I'll join you right now." Do you know what I mean? On everything you're on, and you just have to leave that island and my family alone. I think Ashalad would have reevaluated his entire situation and everything he'd been paid to do, and he probably would have betrayed Floki and done a double cross. Mm. But Ashalad is also smart enough to know that Tors is just not going to do that. So I think there was a seriousness to it if he decide if he'd shocked him and said, "Okay, cool, let's all right, cool." Do you know what I mean? Let's do this then, Tors. But I just he knew he was he's intelligent enough to know Tors was just never on that. It was just never going to happen that way. But he had to throw it out there because he's Ashalad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And because he's a bit unpredictable, he can get away with it. Like, oh, I was just joking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, he's too hard to read for us to... That's probably why we even had to ask the answer and ask the question. Because Ashalad is just so random. He's got, like, a, this kind of random... He's he's what... Again, he's... I think we mentioned it in a previous episode, but he's what we call a chaotic neutral. Yeah. You know what I mean? Although in this episode... I'd be happy to say that he's chaotic evil because yeah, I mean I don't even, but I don't call. think he is. I don't actually think he is though. I don't think he is in his heart, but in this episode, I don't know, dude, ah, dude, I don't know. He 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 let his men kill Tors. Yeah, I know, but you like, you think that's a neutral a, move? No, but he's a mercenary though. We have to remember like Ashalad's role and and job title, not just his character in in those situations, but his like role and job title in the anime. Him and his crew just do whatever they get paid the most by whoever to do. He's like Boba Fett. Exactly. So it's like, 
you look at that and I don't really see him as a bad guy. I just see him as a guy who's just got a job to do, which is what, which he reiterates quite a lot in that. Do you get me? That's my job. Like I'm here to, I'm here to get your head, bro. Like I'm not here to have a duel with you and like do the gentlemanly handshake thing. I, that's not my job. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been paid to come and take your head. If oh, I get, I if you people. pay, and the thing is, if, if Tor's paid him more not to take his head or had that money, he probably wouldn't take his head. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he yeah. probably wouldn't do it. And then, and then, is he good? Is he bad? Do you know what I'm saying? I just think, I think Ashalad is the perfect chaotic neutral. See, I hate those people who are just like, I'm just doing my job. And you're like, yeah. Oh but, yeah, they're you usually, know, you don't have to do you. Yeah, super, super douchey usually. Yeah. Because they have no <laughs> morals. But that's what makes them chaotic neutrals. Oh, no morals though. I would argue that makes you evil. Ah, oh, oh. I hear that. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. You know what enough. I did just then? I just did a chess slash sword play move on you. Check. <laughs> Am I? I'm in check. Am I in check? Yeah. Is that checkmate or is that? Check? No, I think it's check. I don't think we finished this game yet. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair yeah. Enough. We'll I'll keep find playing. one. I'll find one. I'll come back. Don't worry. I'm not gone. They'd built Thor's up to be such an incredible hero and flawless character now, and given so much of his backstory that I knew I suspected at some point he was going to die. Mm. I didn't expect it to be an episode four. No, I don't know. No, that was. I think that was fantastic pacing. It's yeah, and it's beautiful yeah, as well. Yeah. The, the white background when him and uh, Thorfinn are uh, having that moment and he stuff like right got me right in the feels. He came in heroically, episode one, and he went out heroically, episode four. You know what I'm saying? And they made it look extremely beautiful. And the thing that really hit home for me was how Thorfinn reacts to the flurry of arrows going into Thor's. Before we actually know Tors is dead, because we've seen Tors get hit with arrows in the chest, by yeah, the way, yeah, yeah. before and not bat an eyelid. The first couple of arrows, I was like, ah, it's He'll just a flesh wound. Do you know what I mean? He'll be fine. Because and then when they kept coming, I was like, oh no, he dead. He's done. He's you a get me? Like, and But the thing is, even up until that point, they built him up to be such an intensely strong character. He might not have been done. So he might, he might have just popped back up later or maybe he fell into the sea again. Do you know mm. what I mean? And then pops up in the village that was at the end of the cove or something. Do you know what I mean? And then comes back and does the kind of hero thing and saves Torafin later down. It's like, oh my God, dad, that could have been a very sick alternate storyline that I hoped would happen because I love Tors as a character. But he died in episode four. And then, and I think that was such an important episode, an important time for him to die so early because it sets the tone for the actual real storyline of the anime which is Torfin's journey in this kind of weird Stockholmy syndrome situation it looks like do you know what I mean is that a Scandinavian joke I, I, no it isn't but now it is <laughs> now it is following on from like seeing Tors die but then also having this kind of feeling of annoyance because the only reason that Tors died is because he had to throw his sword into the river because Torfin stowed away on their boat yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I just find that to be super annoying. So like, what, like, now he's, now he's seen his dad die. What, what do you think's next? Oh. What's uh, next for Torfin? Because it's, it's clearly not about tours anymore. And we, I thought it was about tours until this point. Yeah. All right. Okay. I reckon he's going to like end up killing one of Ashalad's dudes mm. while they're asleep mm. or something. Mm. And then they'll like throw him overboard. Okay. Maybe he'll end up in like Norway. I don't know. And no, then no, no. whatever happens, there's 100% going to be a montage. 
Like I feel it. There's, like there's going like to be a, into a time skip type situation, or just generally. Just as in, like we're going to see Torfin preparing for a, for a, for his, you know, for a fight for something. Face off we're with gonna, Ashlad. Yeah, with the guy who killed his father. Yeah, we're going to get some running up the steps in Philadelphia, Rocky style, like <laughs> da, 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 you know, but with less copyrighted music. I hear that. <laughs> I was, I was going to mention that, you know. I don't know if you're going to do that whole melody. So I'll do that one bit and we're okay. Should we do quick fire now? Yes, let's do quick fire. Cool. It's now time for the quick fire round. We went for really different themes just then. But it worked though. I feel like that was quite satisfying to listen to. Who's your favorite character in Vinland Saga? I'm gonna I'm gonna play chaotic neutral and say Ashalad. Mmm, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna have to say Tors because I mean, he's awesome. Understandable. I yeah. think I think he's a fan favorite. You yeah. get me? And he he's definitely joint joint first. Mm. Least favorite character. Oh, Bjorn. Bjorn, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Torfin's my least favorite character because he wouldn't like Tors wouldn't be dead if Torfin just stayed where he was meant to stay. Do you know remember when remember when we spoke about this before I was like those yeah. characters that are just really reckless and selfish. I'm also of that sort of like Bjorn if Bjorn hadn't jumped over and grabbed Torfin then things might have gone differently. His job though. Do you know uh, what I mean? Again, I'm not Here we are. not a big fan of that. I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene is when Tors realizes how sick Ashlad is. Like mm. battle-wise, you get me. When when Ashlad doesn't just run into Tors and he slashes the the rope and it drops the sail and then he slashes him in his chest and then Tors is like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like he's like, raw, like okay, I have to really think about this. I think that was like, yes, there's somebody on Tors' level now, so mm. we're gonna get a sick battle. You get me? So that's, I think that that's what made that my favorite. Scene. Yeah. What about you? I think it was just that that shot of the the white background with the. Where Thor's is standing there with all the arrows in him, and and Thorfinn's just at his feet. It's just, you know, for me, it was like it's that moment in The Lion King where mm. Simba sees that his dad. You know, that sort mm. of like oh, right yeah. feels most epic moment. Oh, most epic moment. I, do you know what? For most epic moment, I'm gonna go with the fight. Yeah, with the duel. I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna agree with you. All right. So lastly, what question do you most want answered in the next episode? Um, I want to know what Torfin's going to eat by in the back of the boat. Because it doesn't look like one of those boats that has like a below deck bit yeah, that yeah, you go yeah. in. Like yeah. it looks, it's, like, it's pretty open. Yeah, so it's, he's... Pretty, it's like one level with oars on the side and that's it. Yeah, and I couldn't see any food. So I, I want to know what he's going to eat. I think the question I most want answered is, I think it's the same as before. Like I just want to know what Ashalad's deal is. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's like a deeper thing that he's got going on that they haven't addressed I can see it in him you know yeah. what I'm saying and I just want to what's your deal bro yeah. beyond like when you're not a mercenary what's your deal do you know what I mean I'll like, tell you what what are your hobbies he he would get like so many people wanting to sleep with him because <laughs> they'd all be like you got a crush on out. no I didn't say I did I oh, said okay. that he would be he would get a lot of people like that okay fair enough, fair enough. I you know I don't need them games I don't need I that you. I want somebody who tells me exactly who they are mm. But I know that there's I know I know a lot of people who are really drawn to that. Oh, you're a mystery, and I'm yeah, gonna yeah, work yeah. you out. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I'm with it. I'm with it. I totally get you. I mean, I could talk about this episode for a hot minute, but to be honest, that's what we have time for this week. Beck, what's in store for next time? Well, more adventure, mm -hmm. more swordplay, mm -hmm. more wordplay. Mm -hmm. 
Norse wordplay. I like that. Yeah? I like that. It won't be worse. It'll be Norse. No, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'll <sighs> work on it for next week. We're also going to be joined by Twitch streamer and anime lover G-Star Games. Perfect. Mm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Anime to Z. Don't forget to leave us a review, give us a rating and hit subscribe. And if you want to get a jump on next week's episode, watch Vinland Saga now on Prime Video. Peace. Animator Z is a Little Dot Studios production for Prime Video UK. The show is hosted by Shailingo and Beckham. It's produced by Nicole Davis, Jake Cunningham and Harold McShill. With production coordination from Ellie Aitken and editing by James Payne. With additional research by Ren Skateni. If you've enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and wherever else you get your podcasts. 